Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. It is a good day. Well, good morning. As Pastor Greg said, I am Nate. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at Beaver Lodge Alliance. Uh, I just recently got hired on about six months ago, if you didn't know that. And right before I got hired on here, I was at Ambrose University finishing my degree. Uh, So my degree is in a Bachelor of Theology. So at Ambrose University, if you're studying a Bachelor of Theology, there's a couple of different things that they require you to have. The first is you have to have a major. Like most degrees that people get, you have to have a major. So for myself, that was in youth ministry, hence why I am the student ministries pastor here. And then you also have to have two minors, which is actually very different than most other programs. Most other programs only require one, Ambrose requires two. Uh, So for myself, I took my, one of my minors was in liberal arts, and then the other one was in behavioral science. And most of you guys are probably like, what the heck does behavioral science mean? Uh, Basically, it's just a study of sociology and psychology combined, so you're not going quite as in-depth in either of them, but you're getting both of them. Uh, So as as I was studying in behavioral science, there was one specific thing that stood out to me, and that was a study of neuroscience. So the class that I specifically took was about neuroscience and music, so basically how music altered your personality, well, not necessarily altered, but changed your personality slightly, and then also changed your mood and your, your outlook on life. And this was pretty interesting to me. And then as, as I graduated university and kept learning more things, I found a area of study called neurotheology, uh, which is the combination of theology and neuroscience, which I had never really thought to put together until I heard about this specific study. And it was a study about nuns. So basically a group of scientists got a bunch of nuns together and they did a brain scan and then they sent them away and told them, we want you guys to meditate for 12 minutes a day for eight weeks. And then when they had the nuns come back, they actually saw a difference in the brain chemistry and how the neural pathways were formed. And this just was so interesting to me. I was super curious about that. And I had a ton of questions. And as I started to think about different questions and how the study worked, I remembered, I have professors at Ambrose who have already invited me into conversation with them, have already taught me about each separate section of this, so I can just go ask my questions to them. And as I start to ask questions to them, they were super inviting to me. They were willing to have conversation with me. Even if they didn't fully understand the whole field of neurotheology, they were willing to have that conversation with me. So today we're going to be continuing in in our series called Be Like Jesus. And specifically today we're going to be looking at letting the children come. So before we jump into our passage, I just want to give some background. So we're, we're going to be looking at Matthew 19. So right before chapter 19, um, so just before the chapter began, Jesus was in Galilee teaching the people that was there. And as Jesus left Galilee, a large crowd followed him. So pretty common, Jesus was somewhere. People wanted to learn from him. But then as he was leaving, he was like, there's more people who need, who need to hear from me. So he left, and a big group followed him. And as Jesus saw the group following him, he realized that there was a need in the crowd. He stopped, and he taught them some more, and he healed the sick in the crowd. And after he had finished doing that, a group of Pharisees followed up, came up to him. And the Pharisees, as we all know, 
were always looking to condemn Jesus by asking him questions that they assumed he would answer by contradicting what existed of God's word at the time or by breaking Judaic law. So Jesus spent the interaction with the Pharisees speaking in very careful specifics. So you can imagine that after spending a lot of time healing people and traveling, the human side of Jesus was probably pretty tired. He was, he was fully God, but he was also fully human. So after doing all of these scenes, Jesus was probably super tired. And on top of that, he had to intellectually deal with people that were bent on condemning him. So after Jesus had been traveling and healing and then dealing with the Pharisees, we get to our passage today. So if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 to 15. So that says, Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked those that brought them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went from them. So at the start of this short passage, we see that children were brought to Jesus. So why does Jesus ask us to bring children to Jesus? This isn't the first time that children are brought to him and we're asked to do this. So why? Why are we supposed to do this? We're asked to bring kids to Jesus because they are the future of the church. They're the next generation that is going to rise up and live into the life and teachings of Jesus. So, but to do that, they need to be invited in. We're, we can't expect them just to show up and immediately be a part of the kingdom. We're told to bring them in. They are to be invited in, to be cared for, and to have people who feel safe, and to have people around them who they feel safe bring questions and concerns to. Doing this will help give them opportunity to learn and grow into the body of Christ. So Deuteronomy chapter eleven nineteen tells us to do that. It says, fix, fix these words of mine on your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your forehead. Teach them to your children, talking to them with you as you sit at home and when you walk on the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So Deuteronomy 11 is one of the couple places in, in, within the Bible uh, where we, Jewish people are given their laws. And once they're given their laws, they, the people are then told to go and bring that to their kids, to invite their kids into that conversation with them. So although Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law, the same principle applies to us. As we were taught about Christ, we are to bring that conversation to our kids it's absolutely fantastic when we get to teach our kids about who Christ is, or when we're taught about who Christ is, but our job doesn't end there about us just learning. We're called to have conversation with kids because having conversations about what we're learning and being taught will ultimately help to bring kids into the kingdom and help expand their knowledge for when they're leaders. You don't want somebody to be a leader of the like a leader of anything, if they haven't first been taught how to lead. So how can we expect our children to be the next leaders of the church if we're not bringing them in and teaching them how to lead well? On top of this, kids are also the current body of Christ. By teaching our kids about Christ as we're taught, we can see that they're not just the future. They are the current body. 
And I've seen this played out a couple of different ways within our church. So the first is that I've seen kids in our church prophesying. So when I was here on my candidation weekend, which feels like a long time ago now, it was probably close to a year, um, but as I was here, it was just a lot of learning. There was a lot going on. I came here on Sunday. I was out at different small groups. I was figuring out the candidation process because it was the first time I ever went through it. So there was just a lot going on in my head. And as I was here on the Sunday morning, it was uh, we didn't have any of our chairs laid out the way that they are now, and we didn't have pews. We had just round tables around, around the church. And I was sitting, listening to Pastor Greg preach. Don't remember at all what he was preaching on, but he was preaching. And one of the kids came up and sat with me. And as we were sitting there, uh, they, they decided to start coloring, which pretty common, as you can see if you look around, chances are a lot of our kids are currently coloring. So it's not uncommon. But as they were coloring, they, they colored something so profound. It, I can almost guarantee that it wasn't about what Greg was preaching on. And what they drew was an altar. They drew a table with a loaf of bread and a cup on it, and then writing on it that said, come to the altar. And that was Jesus speaking to me through that kid. I had so much going on that weekend. I had so many doubts. I had so many questions. And God spoke to that kid through me saying, look, this isn't for you to decide. I've already put a plan in place for you. You need to bring this to me. And that was one of the ways that I have seen kids prophesying. Another way that I've seen the kids in our church be the current body of Christ is through serving our community. So as you've probably seen many times, we have so many different kids in our church who serve on Sunday mornings. So we have kids who play on the worship team, some that help in our tech booth, and then we also have some that help out in our Sunday school. And then another way that I've seen kids from our church serving their community was at one of our youth events a couple weeks ago. So at the youth event, uh, we just wrote cards and then made some pre-made cookie dough. So, so sounds pretty simple, but all of the cards that were written were actually for people who were in our con continuing care home facilities who are from our congregation. Just telling them, hey, we know that you guys aren't able to make it here. We know that like, you guys don't really have many people. It's COVID. You guys can't really leave. So... We just want to tell you guys that we still care about you. We still love you. You're still a part of our community. And then also with the cookie dough jars, it was for their teachers or their neighbors just to say, hey, it's been a rough time, and we still care about you. We might not necessarily always show that we care about you, and with teachers, it might seem like the kids hate them sometimes, but they don't. They still care about them. So that's how I've seen our kids serve our community. And then I've also seen kids in our church evangelizing. Kids from our youth group, are constantly inviting their friends into youth. They, tell, telling their friends about Jesus, just flat out, this is who Jesus is, can be really difficult. So the way that they're evangelizing is being like, hey, come to youth. It's a fun time. We play games, we hang out, but we also get to learn about Jesus. So I've seen our kids in our church be the current church. So children are the future but they're also the current church. So we're to follow that call from Jesus and bring the kids into the kingdom. So as we continue in our passage in Matthew, it says, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. So Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for, 
for believers in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Though this, this was written after Jesus' ascension, there is wisdom in not looking down on children. We see in Matthew that that's exactly what the disciples are doing. The disciples were looking down on the kids and tried to usher them out because they did not see them as the best way to, for Jesus to spend his valuable time. So why did the disciples do this? Why did the disciples tell the kids that they needed to leave? So there's a couple different reasons. In Jewish culture, kids were deeply cared about, but they didn't have any kind of social standing. The job of kids was to learn and to serve, but in absolutely no way should they be getting in the way of the adults that are around them. Another reason why the disciples probably tried to get the kids and the parents to leave was because Jesus was tired. He just spent so much time with other people, and he's got a long journey ahead of him. He's probably really tired, and the disciples were probably tired too, and they just wanted some time to relax. Another reason is that the disciples didn't see children, that blessing children was really an urgent task. The disciples probably wanted their, their priorities prioritized. They didn't see that as something that needed to happen right away. In, in this culture, children were only brought to rabbis on big occasions or for their circumcision. That was really the only times that children were brought so because this wasn't either of those times, it wasn't this big event, the, the disciples probably didn't see it as something urgent to have the kids blessed by Jesus. And then the disciples probably could have misunderstood the mission of Jesus and, what they, and were doing what they thought was best. So throughout, throughout the course of the Bible, we're constantly told, be like children, have the mindset of a children, come to me as children. And the disciples are hearing Jesus saying all these things. He's hearing them tell the adults to be like children. So the disciples are probably thinking, oh, well, that's just an analogy for us to see how children act and then kind of replicate that in our faith. But in reality, Jesus is being analytical and literal when he's saying those things. He's saying, yeah, act like a kid, but that doesn't mean that kids aren't included in this. So somehow the disciples thought that the mission of Jesus excluded children. So what are some ways that you might be acting like the disciples? You can be tired and not want to answer questions. There's going to be times where you just want to lay down, and those kids that are around you, you're probably just going to want them to leave because you just want to relax. Uh, we don't want to seek out the answers because it can take a lot of work. It's easier to point kids to somebody else who probably already knows the answer instead of trying to find the answer ourselves. Or we might want our questions answered first and we prioritize our theological questions. The disciples knew that they were with the person calling himself the Messiah. They knew that he is the savior of the world. So they wanted to spend as much time with him as they could. They wanted to ask, ask all the questions that they could. And having all these people come and having these children come who had no social standing come up to him and be blessed, they didn't want that because they were like, that's taking away valuable time that I could spend with Jesus and questions that I could have answered. So everyone has probably started a new job at some point. And when you start a new job, you likely have a lot of questions. Like, what are different procedures that we have? Where is everything located? Where am I supposed to park? And who to go to for different things? You could have some questions might be super complex 
And other questions might be super simple, like, where's the bathroom? Kids are doing the exact same thing with their faith. Sure, some of them might be 17, 18 years old, but that 18 years of their life isn't all spent learning about Jesus. They're learning how the world works. They're in school. They've got a lot of other things on the go. So when they're coming up to you with questions, they're just trying to understand how things work. Some of these questions that they ask might seem really stupid, but it's just like you starting a new job and asking the questions that probably seem really stupid, but they're also some of the, the important questions because they're just basic foundations. In our own pursuit of finding the kingdom, we sometimes forget that we are to bring kids into the kingdom with us instead of leaving them in the dust. Verses 14 and 15 say, Jesus said, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he placed his hands on them, he went from there. So after uh, the disciples had rebuked the parents with their kids and told them to leave, Jesus then rebuked the disciples, telling them not to hinder the kids as, they are the, ki- as the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Jesus blessed the kids. He didn't expect somebody else to do it. Jesus took the kids and blessed them, and he didn't, he didn't tell his disciples to go bless the kids, even though he easily could have. Jesus could have taken the time to be with his father or to relax and tell his disciples to do the hard work. But Jesus didn't, even though he did have other things that he was responsible for. He invited these kids to himself, even though, he didn't, even though the kids didn't have any social standing, and in the eyes of the disciples, didn't deserve to be in the presence of Jesus. So I have a question for you. What are some ways that we as a community can bless our kids? Both the kids in our church and the kids that are in our community. Luke chapter 11, verses 11 to 13 says this. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I know that all of you, regardless of if you're parents or you're just somebody who interacts with kids, you guys are good to them. You're not going to give them a rock when they ask for a loaf of bread. But how many of us have had a kid come up to us with a question and we decided to give them the simple answer because we didn't want to give the full answer or we were too tired to find what the full answer is. I'm sure that most of us have been in that situation. I know that I most definitely have and probably more times than I'd care to admit to. And in these situations, we need to learn how to be like Jesus. When we're tired and a kid comes with a question or curiosity, Don't push them to the side, even though that's likely going to be the easier route. Jesus could have easily let his disciples tell the mothers with their kids to leave, but instead, Jesus welcomed them. He wanted to bless them and continue to grow their curiosity. Now, I'm not saying that when a kid comes to you with a question that you have to have the answer right away. I'm absolutely not saying that. It's okay to tell a kid that you don't know the answer. But then that doesn't stop there. You don't just stop and with, I don't know what the answer is, and kind of, you're out of luck because I don't know. You follow that up with, I don't know what the answer is, but let me find it for you. And that's going to seem like a lot of work, and that's because it is. 
It's going to require a decent amount of research for the most part. But then it's also going to be a lot of work considering the kid that asks you that question likely is not going to remember that they asked you that question. But when you go and you find that answer, and then you bring that answer to the kid and you offer that to them, it's going to immediately click in their heads. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, I did ask that question, and I'm still super curious about it. But then on top of that, they're going to realize that you actually care. If they come to you with more questions, you're not going to brush them off. You're actually going to be willing to have conversations with them. And through offering that answer to them, you're going to help them to have more questions and grow in their curiosity. Another practical way to invite kids into the kingdom is to serve in youth or in children's ministry. Now, I'm not trying to guilt anybody into serving in these areas. I know that that's where I oversee. I'm not saying that you have to, just if you're called. Um, but it's a good spot for adults to begin to show kids that the kingdom of God is theirs. If it wasn't for having people in the church giving me opportunities to grow and ask my questions, I honestly likely would have fallen away from my faith. I know that my dad was a pastor growing up, but that doesn't mean that I really studied the Bible or really read the Bible or listened on Sundays or at youth. So I had a lot of questions. And if I didn't have people within the church who were willing to have conversations with me and willing to try and find answers to my questions, things wouldn't have worked out for me. But because they did, I, I was able to grow. I realized that people cared for me and they brought me into the kingdom with them. These adults showed me that the kingdom of God was for me too. Even though I was young, didn't understand much, and I had a lot of questions. So as we go into our final song, I'd like to invite the worship team back up. I just want to leave you guys with this thought or question. Ephesians 5.8 says that we are to live as children of light. So will you let your kids live in the light by allowing them to come with questions and curiosity even when you might have your own kind of questions. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.